0: Praise God, brothers and sisters. Praise the Lord, yes. Um, by show of hands, can I get, can I see, how many of you guys have already read the entire book of Romans? Entire book of Romans. Okay, okay, okay. We're, we're, we're in good hands. It's a, it's a hard, it's a difficult book to understand. Uh, and even in preparation for this sermon, I was like, man, this is, this is a heavy book. You know, it's, I'll sit there, you know, 12 12 in the morning, and it's I'm trying to wrap my head around a few of the things, and I'm like, man, this is some heavy stuff. But, you know, the Lord gives grace and understanding and clarity, and we can thank Him for that. Amen? Amen, amen. Amen. So today we're going to go over, uh, we have, what, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and we're going to just try to cover uh, the basics of uh, God's salvation, basically the theology behind it. I'll, I'll try not to put you guys to sleep. You know, it's it's some heavy stuff, some, um, it's, uh, you know, sometimes it's difficult to understand. But my prayer for tonight is that God God would open up our hearts, open up our minds so that we can get a grasp on at least, or just kind of start to understand uh, the truths that He has for us. So if we can open up to Romans chapter 3, and we're going to start at verse 21. Um, But before we go there... um, I just want to kind of do a little recap of last week. Stan was preaching last week. Uh, Does anybody remember what Stan was preaching on last week? Why we need salvation. Okay, so what do we need salvation from? Salvation for what? What do we need salvation for? Original sin. Uh, The second thing was salvation for who? Who needs salvation? Everyone. Okay. Last question. Salvation from what? Help me out. Salvation from what? Our depravity, our sin. Um, our depravity from, from our sin. And uh, Stan went into depth on this. He said that uh, man was born into sin. Man was uh, right away he, when he was born immediately guilty, immediately uh, falling short of the glory of God. And so every man n- comes to a point in his life to make a decision Either to receive this gift of salvation or just to continue on his life and basically die without salvation. And so there's a few terms uh, that I want us to uh, learn. I want us to kind of focus on. If you guys want to take a picture of this, uh, these are some of the terms that I thought were a bit, you know, kind of harder to wrap your head around. And so I just kind of, you know, kept them simple, stupid, just everybody can understand it. Um, so the first term is justification. What does justification mean? So basically it's the act of by which God, he moves a willing person from the state of sin. And basically, are you willing to remo- remove yourself from the state of sin, into the, sin of, in the, into the state of grace? Or it's the action of declaring or making righteous in the sight of God. Another thing that you guys can uh, try to remember is justification can be simple as just as if you never sinned. So God takes you and makes you just as if you never sinned. So that's a, just a, a quick, like you can remember it in your head. The second term I want us to uh, look at is grace. Grace, what is grace? Grace is basically uh, the thing that provides, provides me with something that I don't, that I don't deserve. There should, there's a little typo right there. That's a, I, don't, I do deserve, it should be I don't deserve. That's my fault. Uh, mercy, protect me from what I do deserve. Uh, And then righteous, righteous, what does righteous mean? It means free from the guilt or sin. Propitiation, another big term, is basically to satisfy, to appease, uh, to incur divine favor or to to avoid divine retribution. Basically, God used Jesus Christ as propitiation to create peace between man and himself. Uh, And then the last term is reconciliation, which basically means to be at peace again. So Jesus reconciled the world to himself. Basically, everybody came to be at peace with God through His salvation. And so, th- the next thing that uh, God's salvation it, it it takes upon it. There's a there's a few things that are, are just like basic um, stepping stones that are uh, that sum up God God's salvation. So one of the first thing is is justification by faith. Paul, when we read chapters three, four, and five, he's making this argument to the Jews that. You know, the Jew, here we have the Jews, and their one thing that they're set upon is that, hey, we have the law, we have the law of Moses, and this is the one thing that's, you know, certain and true, and this is the one thing that's going to save us, right? We're, we have all these laws, we're going to practice all these commands, we're going to do all of these things, and that's what's going to save us. And the Pharisees were were set on this. They, they they had these set of laws, and then when they heard that Paul was, you know, deviating away from this, they're like, man, Paul's onto something, and. Uh, justification by faith. I want to take a dive into that. Starting at chapter 3, verse 1. What advantage then has the Jew, or what is the profit of circumcision? Much in every way, chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. And I want to stop there for a second. When we look at the Jews, we see the Jews that uh, were in the times of Paul, in the times of Jesus, they were very self-righteous, right? We have these Pharisees, we have the scribes, and they were very, very full of themselves, right? And these guys, they were like, you know what? God, we are like God's special people. We're, you know, God speaks to us to, through the prophets, through the, through the laws, through Moses. And we have all these set of rules that God gave directly to us, not to the Gentiles. Keep this in mind, not to the Gentiles, but directly to us. And that is the advantage, yes, that is the advantage that the Jews had. To them, they, they had revealed the oracles of God. Basically, to them was directly revealed... Uh, uh, the the word the the uh, scriptures the promises the prophecies and all of this was was given to the Jews because you know that was God's chosen people that was the people that God had chosen for Himself and yes they had all of these things but in in order to 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 receive salvation the Jews they, they, they were missing one thing they had all the means they had all the the possibilities they had all the rules they had everything 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 Except one thing, it was that this law, these rules, all these uh, things could not save them. They were inherently unsavable to, to the Jew himself. And so the Pharisees, you know, they, they, were, they were clinging on, they were clinging on to all of these rules, all of these, um, um, whatever you want to call them. And they, they were saying, this is what's going to save us. But Paul's saying, when, when at the end of the day, when we, see when we put the Jew and the Gentile together, they're both on the same platform, basically meaning we are both depraved, we are both sin- sinful, we are both born into sin, and yes, one has the advantage of the law, one has the advantage of like, you know, he has a head start in knowing who God is, but at the end of the day, everybody needs salvation, not only just the Jew, not only just the Gentile, but everybody needs salvation, So one thing that the Jews were really um, uh, set upon was that they can receive thr- salvation through their uh, own innocence. Basically, they they were they were followers of the law, and they had the law, and they were going to follow it down to the T. You know, the, do you guys remember that one time they were out, you know, in the field, and they're like, well, how can you guys... Eat without washing your hands, you know. And they were like, it's just like these l- little small things, but that the Pharisees were like just so set upon. They were so like, you know, this. You guys have to follow the rules. You have to follow the rules. Here's the rules. Why are you guys not following them? And so, the the argument that Paul makes is that we can't receive salvation through our own is- innocence. We can't receive salvation through our own self-righteous. You know, if if we were born I- into this world without sin, if we were born into this world. Without sin, and, and right away we were following every rule, then yes, we can save ourselves. But the, the inherent uh, sinfulness that we gained through Adam, and Stan t- touched upon this uh, last week, immediately kind of disqualifies us from ever attaining salvation by our own works. Because we are born into this world, right away we are sinners. And I want to go to verse. We're we're actually going to start at verse 21, uh, verse 21, and then up to chapter five. Uh, And I want to go to verse 23. And this is where the part where uh, I I, I feel like Paul was telling the Jews of that time, the Pharisees, everybody that was there, that were uh, set upon their their thinking that, hey, my salvation is based on my works. My salvation is based on uh, the things that I do. And Paul here is telling us, and everybody knows this verse, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And what does it mean to fall short of the glory of God? What does it mean to fall short of the glory of God? Um, I'm going to give a few examples. Falling short isn't just, you know, I'm not going to participate in something if I don't participate in something, then I can't fall short because I haven't, I haven't attempted to, to do that, you know? So if I'm shooting an arrow, a bow and arrow, the action that I create to shoot that bow and arrow sets into action the fact that if that arrow's going to fall short, is because I shot it, right? If I'm playing football, right? If I'm playing football, you guys remember the 2013 uh, Seattle Seahawks fellas? What happened on the one-yard line over there? They came short, Right? What would have been worse? If they just forfeited the game and they didn't play at all? Or, or uh, they say it should give to Marshawn Lynch, right? Uh, or or they, did, they shouldn't have played that game at all? Or they should have, you know, done something so they don't fall short of that goal line, right? And the fact that um, we fall short mean, means that we had to try, right? We had to do something in order for us to fall short. We have tried, and and this was proven throughout humanity, that man has tried over and over again to attain his own salvation through his own works, but every single time, every single time, he falls short. He falls short because nothing that he can do, nothing that I can do, nothing that any Jew can do with all the laws that he has can make him receive salvation except through Jesus Christ. And that is the, the thought that... Paul is pushing, that is the argument that he keeps pushing and pushing onto the the Jews of that time. Uh, Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verse 3 calls us, by nature, children of wrath. You know, by nature, we are born into this world and we're immediately just guilty of sin. You know, we don't even have to do anything. You don't have to teach a child how to steal something. He's going to already know how to steal. You know, you don't have to teach a child to get angry and hit your your other uh, child because he already knows that, you know, hey... I'm going to steal that because I think I should have it, right? There's nothing that we can teach them. They just kind of automatically, our nature just comes out, you know. And, the, and this is what Paul, Paul comes to this conclusion. And he, the conclusion is that it is vain, it is vain, it is vain to look for justification, to look for salvation, to look for righteousness outside of faith. And that leads us to chapter 4, chapter 4, uh, where uh, Paul talks about Abraham. And before we go, to, we get to that. We're going to talk about the righteousness of God. Uh, he, Paul, talks about uh, in verse twenty-four. He says, "Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus." So when we ask ourselves, "Is man without hope? Is man, uh, is the is the the sin that is so great in our in our hearts, is, can it be cured? Can it be removed? What 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 needs to happen in order for us to?" To receive the salvation. And so in verse 21 it says, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. It is manifested to us. What does that mean? The law and the prophets, they all painted a bigger picture, right? When we read the prophets, when we read the law of Moses, even, even when, uh, do you guys remember when uh, uh, Moses put up that brass serpent on, onto the pole and the people of, of Israel, they were looking at that pole? And they received uh, healing from the bite marks that they had from the snakes. That was an illustration of of what was to come. And so we we see all of these you know prophecies in Isaiah in uh, in the minor prophets and the major prophets, and they're all pointing to something. They're not just they're not just saying, okay, here's what here's the set of rules that you guys have to follow, and by this you'll receive salvation. No, they're saying, okay, here's here's the law, here's the prophets, here's the the prophecies that come out throughout the ages. And they're all pointing towards something, and that is Jesus Christ. They're all pointing towards Jesus Christ. And so the gospel way of our justification, it's, it's very simple. And a lot of people get tripped up over it. You know, a lot of people are saying, do I really, I really don't have to do anything in order to receive salvation. I really don't have to do anything. And a lot of people, especially, you know, in our culture, in, in different culture, in the Jewish culture, they're so set upon, like, I have to do something. You know, I can't just just receive salvation i have to do something right and so the the righteousness of god is revealed to us and it is witnessed by the law and the prophets and in verse 22 says even the righteousness of god through faith in jesus christ to all and on all who believe for there's no difference there's no difference and it it, in verse 24 it says being free the the being freely justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So this is where we begin to understand what grace means, right? God gives us grace. God gives us something that we don't deserve. We see ourselves as sinners. We see ourselves as born into sin. There's nothing that we can do to save ourselves. And that is where grace is ushered in. Grace is ushered in. And do you guys remember what grace means? means it means it, it's given to us something that we don't deserve. And we, we read about Joseph, right? Joseph uh, in, um, hold on a sec. So in Genesis chapter 39, verse 4, it says that Joseph found grace in his master's eyes. Why was that? Why did Joseph find grace in the eyes of his master? It, it was because there was a certain set of actions that he did. There was a certain set of, you know, things that he did, you know, he, he might have ruled differently. He might have stuck out differently than from the rest of the rulers. He might have done something that was, that caught the, the eye of the master. And he said, you know, Joseph, you're going to receive my grace. You're going to receive something that you don't deserve, but I'm still going to give it to you because there was something that you did. And Joseph, you know, we look at ourselves and, and we say, well, we're different from Joseph. We can't do something in order to receive grace from our, our master, which is Jesus. We can't do anything that will, say, that will make Jesus say, okay, well, you know what? You did a good job this week. You know, I'm going to give you something special now. I'm going to give you salvation because, you know, here you are. You did all these things. You kept yourself good for the whole week. And now you're going to come to me and you're going to ask me for salvation. And I'm going to give it to you because you behaved. Is that the way we receive salvation? No, it's not. And so a lot of people, they, they get tripped up about this, about grace. And, uh, and, and so we have grace, right? And it, it was given to us through Jesus Christ. And it, this is what it's called, the great propitiation. And Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the great propitiation, which is found in uh, chapter 3, verses 25 through basically the rest of chapter 3. And so what does it mean? What does it mean that Jesus is the great propitiation? So we have, we have God. And he, he's basically the party that was offended, right? He was the, he's God and he's saying, look, I'm looking out onto the world that I created. It's infested by sin. I'm offended by it. I need to do something about it. And up until that point, up until about the New Testament when Jesus was born, there was a certain set of standards that the Jews had to follow in order to receive their salvation, which is basically through uh, a series of uh, sacrifices. They had the laws that they have to follow. The, and, you know, the, you had to sacrifice this and this and many bulls and this and many, you know, quail and whatnot. And you had to do all these wave offerings and peace offerings and all this stuff in order to receive God's, uh, you know, appeasement, like God's satisfied, God's satisfaction. and so. God you know he reaches this st- uh, this point in his in his omnipresence and on his omniscience, he knows everything, and he says, "I need something that will settle my wrath once and for all. I need something that's not a that 's not a bull that 's not a, a lamb, something that you know is going to be perfect that might uh, shed his blood that uh, man can receive salvation once and for all i don 't want the, uh, the blood of bulls anymore i don 't want the blood of uh, goats anymore, I'm sick and tired of it, I need something. So what God does is he, he appoints a savior in Jesus Christ. He qualifies him. So basically he was born of a virgin, he was born sinless, something that we cannot do of ourselves. We cannot be born sinless. There was only one person that was born sinless and that was Jesus Christ. So he qualifies him. And he offers him and he says, okay, here, here, here he is, guys. Here's, here is Jesus. He's perfect. He's holy. He's going to die on the cross for your sins. All we have to do is receive that and believe it. Believe it and receive it. Can you guys do that is what God is asking. Can you guys do that? I have this perfect sacrifice. If I'm offering this to the world and and, and I'm offering the free gift of salvation to the world and all you have to do is believe and receive. And man says, "Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to receive that salvation. I don't know if I'm going to receive that salvation. And so we look at we look at Abraham. This is in chapter 4. And this is this this is the example that the Jews pointed to and said, "Well, what about Abraham? Abraham received the righteousness of God. He was a Jew, he was circumcised. He didn't it says that Um, Abraham was greatly respected in the eyes of the Jews during that time. You know, Abraham was seen as like the the father of all Jews during that time. You know, they say we are the children of Abraham. Even Paul, uh, in in the beginning of chapter 4, he says, what shall we say then that Abraham, our father, uh, has found according to the flesh? And so we look at Abraham. And Paul begins this chapter, chapter 4, and he says, what shall we say then that our father Abraham ha- has found according to the flesh? In other words, what work, what sacrifice, what deed has Abraham done in his flesh that God will say, well done, you know, here's your salvation? And the answer is nothing. And so if, if, uh, Paul follows us with verse 2 where he says, for if Abraham was justified by works, if Abraham had something that, that he did... Uh, in his life that said that, you know, may God, God say, well, here you go. You're going to be righteous now just because you did this and this and this. If Abraham had, was justified by his works, then he has something to boast about. You know, he can go around saying now, well, hey, guys, look, I'm, I'm the only exception to the Jews that says, well, I can receive my salvation. I can receive my justification by my own works. And so Paul says he can't do that. There's no boasting in that. At least not before God, right? You can't come up to God and say, Well, Lord, look, I, I did all these things. I received my justification. You know, I, you can't do that because God says, I'm the only one that can justify you. I'm the only one that can save you. I can only, the only one that can make you righteous. And so, um, the example of Abraham, it says that Abraham believed God, believed God, and it was accounted for, for, to him for righteousness. The objection, the objection to this that the Jews made was, wasn't Abraham justified or considered righteous because of his obedience to God by being circumcised? So the point that the Jews were trying to get Paul with was, well, wasn't, wasn't Abraham justified because of his obedience to circumcision? So God told Abraham, okay, you're going to go get circumcised. And then I'm going to justify you. And so this is what the thinking of the Jews was during that time was that Abraham, this guy, the reason that he was justified and the reason that we're going to get justified was through circumcision, right? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do this uh, tradition that was held on through ye- thousands of years. And, and this is the one thing that's going to save us. That's the one thing that, you know, God has set a seal upon us. God has uh, set this sign upon us that says, you are my people. You are justified by me through this action, right, through the action of, of uh, circumcision. And, and Paul, Paul, if you read chapter 4, he strikes down this, uh, this theory that uh, man can, can get justified by uh, circumcision. Basically, he's telling the Jews, well, hey, guys, you can't, get, you can't get justified by circumcision. You can't receive your salvation through circumcision. And how does he do this? How does uh, Paul do this? God made a covenant with Abraham. If we read in Genesis uh, chapter 15, so a little bit of backstory. Abraham was circumcised uh, in Genesis chapter 17, which is about 14 years or so uh, after he was justified. And what do I mean by this? Abraham was justified by God in Genesis 15 where it says, and you guys remember the story, it's Abraham, here, here we have Abraham, he's already old, and he's talking with God, and he's saying, Lord, I want children, right, I want children, and, you know, here I am, 100 years old, my wife, Sarah, she's barren, she can't have children anymore, and God makes a promise to him, God says that your children, you, you know, go outside, Abraham, look up at the stars, what do you see? And Abraham says, well, I see, you know, millions of stars. I see, look at the sand, Abraham, what do you see? I see billions of sand particles. And so God is telling Abraham through a promise that he made to him, he says, Abraham, if you believe me, if you trust in me, your children, your descendants are going to be like the, the stars in the sky, like the, like the sand in the, in, the, in the outside, you know, on the dunes. And I was going to say the sand of the ocean, but that's, yeah, sand in the ocean, that works too. Um, and Abraham, he's like, well, how hard is that to understand, right? I'm 100 years old. How hard is it to believe? But being Abraham, if I'm putting myself in Abraham's shoes, I'm starting to doubt God, right? If I'm, if I'm 100 years old and my wife hasn't had kids for 100 years, you know, and God tells me my kids are going to be like the, like the stars in the sky, what am I going to say to that? Yeah, right, right? Yeah, right? Prove it, right? Show me, right? And so the thing that set Abraham apart was that he believed God. He believed God. And through this, through this, it says that about Abraham, it says that Abraham believed God. And what does it say after that? And it was accounted to him for righteousness. And so God didn't say to Abraham, you know, if you do this or if you do that. Or if you followed a certain uh, set of rules or laws, then I'm going to bless you with a, uh, with a bunch of kids. Then you can have uh, all these uh, amazing descendants that are going to remember you. And they're going to uh, uh, honor you. And they're going to remember you through, through like all these like, you know, cool traditions and all that stuff. God just says to Abraham, his blessing was direct. His blessing was direct. And he said, it was an unconditional promise. And he said, Abraham, you're going to have descendants enough to fill the earth. And the whole earth is going to be blessed through you. Why? Because simply you believed in me. And that was what made Abraham righteous even before he was circumcised. Even before he went and received the circumcision, God said, you're, 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 uh, you are now justified. You are now righteous because you have believed in me. And so Paul, he, he's, he's telling the Jews now. He's telling the Jews. He's saying, it's not faith that, you know, it's not works that, that saves you. It's not... The the fact that you want uh, circumcision that's going to save you. It's not any of that. It's your faith in God that's going to save you. And so I'm going to be wrapping up here in a few minutes. We have I gather today. Uh, I don't want to take your time. And so God's salvation. What are the results and benefits of our justification in Christ? Uh, Chapter 5 really breaks it down. And so let's let's go back to Chapter 5. And... The whole chapter, basically, you know, it's filled with with benefits that that we receive when we we receive God's salvation. Let's look at some of them. Uh, This is the first four or five verses. We have peace with God. We have access to grace by faith. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We glory in tribulations as well. And in verse 8, it says that God's love God demonstrated his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that is an amazing kind of love. And, and in the remainder of chapter 5, you know, Paul, Paul he doubles down on, on his claims of justification through faith. The, all of these Jews, you know, they were, they were set on disproving Paul. They were set on saying, Paul, you're wrong, we're right. We have these set of laws, we're going to follow them. This is what's going to save us. This is what's going to save us. Paul says, no, 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 no. You guys are all wrong. The, you know, decades of, of uh, traditions that you guys have held so dearly onto, you guys, you guys all did this for nothing, you know. All this was done for nothing. The only way you can receive salvation is through faith in Jesus Christ. And the message that he, he's telling the Jews during this time is that if you guys believe in Jesus, if you guys receive This free gift of salvation that was given through grace. Nothing you have to do to deserve it. Nothing was was done by us that we can deserve this free gift of grace. It was just freely given to us. And now it's our part. It's our turn now. And so I want to wrap up here uh, with a quote by Charles Spurgeon, which says, Every promise of God's word belongs to all those who have the faith to grasp it. And when I read this quote, I was like, man, Charles Spurgeon was on to something, right? He says that, you know, we have all these promises in the Word of God. We have all these things that we can get from God. But the one thing that, that takes us from, you know, point A to point B, receiving it, is that little step of faith, right? And this little, this little step of faith is, is our re- re- receiving of the gift of salvation. And I know that... You know last week, Stan talked about salvation, everybody needs salvation we have we were born into original sin, everybody needs salvation and i and I think that this message will continue on through the book of romans and my call for you guys tonight is if you, if you haven't made that you know if you haven 't made that step of faith if you haven 't you know transitioned yourself from from here I am trying to achieve my own salvation here I am trying to all these good things that will make me righteous before God that will try to justify myself before God into well Lord you know there's nothing I can do there's nothing I can say there's nothing I can you know there's no altar I can build there's no uh, sacrifice I can I can sacrifice it is only through my belief that and I'm saying to the Lord it is only my belief in the fact that you died on the cross for my sin you, you, you took my sin upon yourself you gave me new life And the way that I receive my salvation is that if I receive this, if I receive this. And so let's all stand up right now. We're going to go into a word of prayer real quick. Uh, If you're making that step tonight, just in your hearts tonight, just say, Lord, I want to thank you. Let's, Let's all go into prayer. Father, we thank you. Lord, we glorify.